The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm Allison Childs with the Center for Creative Leadership. Kathy and Relly have helped thousands of people like you become better performers, managers, and leaders with their unique approaches to coaching. Dr. Relly Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach with the International Coaching Federation. A psychologist, corporate leadership, and team trainer, Dr. Nadler brings his expertise and emotional intelligence to all his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. Dr. Nadler's Leaders Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers. For more information and free tools by Relly Nadler, go to www.truenorthleadership.com. New York Times bestselling author Kathy Greenberg wins hearts and minds around the world with her internationally acclaimed books on the new science of happiness, including what happy companies know and what happy working mothers know. Kathy is available for a variety of consulting and coaching programs where you can learn to apply her unique happiness equals profit business formula. For more on Kathy's coaching, tools, consulting, and keynote speaking, go to www.h2cleadership.com or www.whathappyworkingmothersknow.com for free tips and downloads. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Rowan Adler. My co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, is on the line. And Kathy and I are your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10% over the years. And today's show, we feature Gail Evans. Now, Gail wrote a book called Love the Game. With those words, Gail Evans concludes that the most successful and influential books about women in the workplace, and that's something she wrote a while back, but we're going to pick her brain today about some of those issues around men and women in the workplace. And ironically, many women uh, did not even know the game existed before Evans taught them how to win in the workplace. And her book, Play Like a Man, Win Like a Woman, we're going to pick and choose some different questions from that. This book was listed for several months on the New York Times uh, bestselling list, also on Business Week, the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. Play Like a Man, Win Like a Woman has been translated into 18 languages and has been a bestseller around the world. When it comes to success of women in the workplace, Evans is the leading source. She has appeared on the Today Show, Larry King Live, and has been featured in the New York Times and the USA Today. And let me introduce uh, Kathy. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host here, coaches leading executives and entire companies on the application of her proven happiness equals profit strategies. Kathy is the co-founder of the renowned executive consultancy, H2C, Happy Companies, Happy People, and an author of multiple bestsellers, 
and a much-in-demand conference speaker. And so, Kathy, welcome to the call. Thank you, Relly. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really thrilled to have Gail with us today. And uh, certainly, before we get started, I would like to introduce my co-host to all of our audience, for those of you who are newcomers to the show, Dr. Relly Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach. He's also a psychologist, a corporate leadership and team trainer. Dr. Nadler brings his expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. And Dr. Nadler's Leader's Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers. And stay tuned, his new release of this book, Leader's Playbook, will be out in September, and we'll tell you more about that in each and every show. Well, I um, I just want to uh, make sure that everybody here understands, uh, really, that you and I always want to bring the best um, in current leadership topics, um, interviews, obviously, with proven leaders like Gail, and also provide evidence-based best practices to help everyone be their best in all organizations. And we know that leaders are the heartbeat of the organization, but most leaders will just Well, frankly, they underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and as a result, sometimes they can underperform. And when they underperform, their teams follow suit. So we want to share a lot in each show about how you can do just a few things differently to dramatically improve your performance and that of your organization. And in every one of our shows, we hope you'll learn something about developing yourself as a leader and those around you. Something about my sweet spot, obviously, happy companies and healthy people and about how you can improve performance, about increasing satisfaction at work. We also like to include Relly's sweet spot, which is something about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies to be your best. Often in some of our shows, we talk about brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, and today we're going to focus on gender and generation differences. We're going to talk about work-life balance practices, strategies for managing your boss, and self-management tools to be your best. Relly, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about the science behind leadership and why we have a show that's focused on that and performance. Well, thanks, Kathy. In Leadership Development News, we talk about leaders. And the reason that we talk about leaders, a lot of the research shows, Kathy, that leaders have between 50 and 70% influence over the climate of their team. So we like to say that the leader is the emotional thermostat for the team. They set the temperature for the team, you know, be it calm, cool, collected, or terse or tense. The leaders set the temperature. And the reason that is emotions are contagious. And one of the keys to being in the top 10%, we are, all our practices are about how to get someone into the top 10% is emotional intelligence. When you look at how smart somebody is and their techno expertise, a lot of the research shows that about 85% of their success factors rely in the world of emotional intelligence. A lot of the things that Kathy described earlier would fit under that umbrella. And this top 10% is a somewhat of a tipping point. The more you can get someone into the top 10%, why that's so important, that that person will be twice as productive to the bottom line or the revenue as someone in the 89th percentile and below. So that's why we're trying to give you tips and tools and practices. How do you get those B players to be A players? And we all know that training is really important. Most organizations have training, and training has been shown to increase productivity about 22%. If you add training and coaching, both Kathy and I are certified coaches, 
you enhance that, that productivity about up to 88%. So from 22% with training, 88% with training and coaching. And hopefully today in every one of our shows, you're going to see one or two or three things, these micro-initiatives that can create a macro impact. And we talked about coaching, and usually in a day you can get a, a coaching network developed into your organizations. And Kathy's sweet spot around happiness has been shown to be tied to profit. How happy are your employees by more than 93%. If you want more information about Kathy, her website is www.h2cleadership.com. She has happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in some more information about me, my website is www.truenorthleadership. For emotional intelligence books, there's some free EI assessments, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. And, Kathy, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Gail and how you uh, how the two of you met and, and a little bit more about her background. Oh, it would be a pleasure and an honor. I um, was fortunate to meet Gail when uh, we were speaking at a program uh, not too long ago for a major Fortune 500 company. Uh, Gail was our keynote, and boy, did she rally the troops. Um, it, it has been um, an amazing experience to learn more about Gail, and I'm delighted that she's been able to make time in her busy schedule to be with us today. But before I bring Gail on, I would like to tell you a little bit about her, and uh, certainly as, as we go through this conversation with Gail uh, for the next 45 minutes or so, we'll have her uh, update some of this information and include all the new and wonderful things that she's doing. But in addition to being a best-selling author, Gail Evans uh, celebrated success on her weekly radio segment, It's Not Just a Man's World, which is syndicated to 1,900 CNN radio affiliates across the United States. And she speaks and lectures to many of the world's leading companies, including GE, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, KPMG, Bell South. I could go on. She is currently an associate professor at Georgia Tech's School of Management, and her business advice columns appear in some very terrific online, um, I want to say, periodicals, including Worthwhile and Pink. Um, Where did Gail Evans learn the business game? Well, in the male-dominated world of television journalism. She began working at CNN at its inception in eight, excuse me, 1980, and by the time she retired in 2001, she was its executive vice president. And during that time, she was responsible for program and talent development at all CNN's domestic networks, overseeing national and international talk shows and the network guest bookings department, my favorite, <laughs> which scheduled about 25,000 guests each year. And I know that that is some tough work. Now, in addition to speaking and teaching, Evans stays busy serving on numerous charitable boards, including the Radio and Television News Directors Foundation, the Society for Women's Health Research, the Atlanta Girls School, um, and many, many more. She is uh, certainly a very busy lady, and she was appointed by President Clinton to the Commission on White House Fellows. She is the former chairperson of the Georgia Endowment for the Humanities and worked at the White House in the office of the special counsel to the president during the Lyndon B. Johnson administration. Most importantly, Gail lives a happy life in Atlanta. She's the grandmother of seven, and her newest golden retriever, Lucky, sleeps at her foot 
of her bed every night. We'd like to welcome you to the show, Gail. How are you? Fine, thank you. Fine, thank you. Well, terrific. We are very excited to talk about um, many of the insights that you have about play like a man, win like a woman. And, you know, I just want to say to our audience that you share with great humor and candor your years of lessons from corporate life, and I can relate to that having been a managing partner at a very large global consulting firm and having experienced similar things. So I'd love to learn more about you, about how how to keep score at work, when to take a risk, how to deal with the imposter syndrome, why men can be ugly and you can't, and when we should quit a job. So uh, I'll leave it there for right now. Relly, would you like to uh, maybe start off with the first sure. question? Well, Gail, I'm also very interested in all these key things. As Kathy, you know, she and I are in our organizations uh, every day passing on some of this information. So not only do our listeners hear it, but we will pass the word uh, to all our folks. So one of the things we'd like to ask, Gail, is, is who are some of the key people who may have influenced you most in your life and career? Well, I think as is true for a lot of very successful women, the person who was the greatest influence in my life was my mother. Um, and uh, my mother was, uh, I mean, my, my mother would be, if she was still alive, in 105. Um, she was born in an era when women didn't work uh, except in the home, and she um, was one of those women who went out, and uh, she started, she used to always tell me that she was a sewer in a hat factory. Um, and she rose up through the, the line and eventually became the uh, manager of a chain of millinery stores. We don't even know what that word is anymore. <laughs> but um, And when she got married and had children, she went back to being the proper housewife and, and, and homemaker. But she always taught me that um, you should do and be anything you want to be, and that there was nothing in this world that you couldn't do or be. Now, her caveat on the side was, and you need to marry a good man. <laughs> but she spent a lot of time and energy, I think, teaching me that risk was a good idea, even though it terrified her hmm. as I began to take risks. She was really the one that always encouraged me to do the things that made me grow rather than staying stagnant in, in the safe places. Um, and so I, she, she, and my father was somebody who was accepting of all of it um, and really had, I, I think, trust and faith in me and, and thought I was as smart as if he'd had a son. And I, and I think those really, I, I'm amazed at how many a successful women, when you talk to them, mm-hmm. talk about how the influence their mother was. Um, and just as my, and many, many successful men talk about what a great influence their father was. And I cannot agree with you more. I think that that is a, a common theme. Now, in, in your book, Gail, you state that women, um, certainly, and we know this from, from also my book, women make up almost half of today's labor force. And, in fact, a lot of those women... Um, are, in fact, raising children. But in corporate America, they don't share half of the power, uh, although they may share half of the power at home. And you say only 2% of the Fortune 500 company CEOs are women, and it's only been in the last few years that even half of the Fortune 500 companies have more than one female officer. Now, we know that that is changing, and, and you and I talked about this, so some of the, some of the data 
um, of course, is being updated as we speak today. Things will change on the market. But, but a major reason for this, um, as, you, as you state, is that most women were never taught how to play the game of business. And I have to say, Relly, I'm, I'm, you know, you have a daughter and a son. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know having a daughter that's 28, I, I was not taught the game of business. I had to learn it, but I've taught it to my daughter. And she's still going through the learning, uh, I want to say the learning stage and the pains of learning the game of business. So let me ask you this, Gail. Why do you believe this is the case? And how did you come to this conclusion well, I certainly agree. Yeah, there are a couple of different things. I mean, girls are today, just like they were 50 years ago or whatever else, taught how to play differently than boys from the day they begin to play. And it's, it's cultural, it's societal, and I think probably part of it also is the nature of being a woman and being a mother. Because I am so struck, I, having all these grandchildren, they're a perfect laboratory because I get to see, okay, you know, they're being taught, all of the, the girls are being taught to be powerful, to be strong, that they can do and be anything. And yet, when you watch how they interact and play, it is fundamentally different from the boys. I agree. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I, had, I had a perfect example just last weekend at my house where I had two little three-year-old girls and two little three-year-old boys, and we were all outside swimming, and when they finished... The girls went and found the little picnic table and started putting their um, towels on top of the table like they were making a tablecloth. And next thing I knew, they were having an imaginary tea party no. on this table. And yeah. the boys I want you were... to just hold that thought for one second because yeah. I want you to finish the story when we come back sure. from our break. You're listening to Leadership Development News, so don't go away. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Today we're talking with 
uh, Gail Evans, play like a man, win like a woman, talk about some of the gender differences that Kathy and I like to talk about. And Gail, right before the break, you were talking about just even with your grandchildren, the you know, seven of them that you have, and I don't know if all of them were there, but just the difference between uh, boys and girls. So maybe go ahead and finish. Right. Well, it was, it was just funny because there were the two, there were four little three-year-olds, and and once we weren't swimming anymore. The two girls ended up creating this very beautiful tea party, imaginary tea party, using towels and all the rest. And the boys went and found the buckets and some sticks, and they were having a Star Wars fight. <laughs> and what was so interesting to me was it was uh, the, the children all have mothers who have very accomplished careers. So it wasn't like, you know... One was learning one thing at home, and the other was learning the other thing at home. Mm-hmm. These were four children of mothers and fathers who believe in, you know, understanding the gender issues and in pushing their daughters the same way they push their sons. So I do think that some of this is not just cultural. Some of it is very innate. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I say to mothers, uh, I get asked frequently after a speech, and a businesswoman will say to me, well, you know, what do we do differently with our daughters than was done with us. And my answer is, you know, we need to teach our daughters how to play chess as well as do the tea party. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of people have begun to say, well, you know, now that we have girls who do sports um, a lot, it changes things. I absolutely think sports matter. I always played sports. and I played team sports um, when I was growing up. But the reality is, Girls' sports and boys' sports is still not the same. And um, even when it's in an organized kind exactly. of fashion, right. um, there's a difference in the nuance. You know, when, when the girls are playing soccer and 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 the girl on the other time team trips and falls down, your daughter reaches back with her hand and helps her get up. When the boys are playing and the other guy falls down, what they automatically think is we have an advantage; they have one less player up. Um, and that's how we're taught. Mm-hmm. Go so, so, Gail, let me ask you, uh, just from your experience, what, what do you see are some of the unique challenges you believe women, let's say today at all levels, may face in such a highly challenging workplace today? Right. Well, I think that one of the things for women is that while we have made some advances, the economic downturn, while it has increased the number of women percentage-wise in the workforce, it's very interesting that uh, there were many more literal layoffs of men during this economic downturn than women. So everybody said, wow, that's great for women. The difference is that the majority of men laid off were blue-collar, were construction, automobile industry, those kind of jobs. The majority of women who were laid off were middle management. So that group of women who could have been poised to move ahead to the next level is actually where the majority of women were let go. So this, while in literal numbers looks great for women, in terms of achieving power, it's probably been terrible for women. Um, and so, you know, so what are the, the differences? What are the problems? Uh, you know, a lot of it is, I use the word power. Girls are actually not brought up to love power. Mm-hmm. Power for women is a word about subjugation. It's about one up and one down and things like that. It's not about influence. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of kind of... Things that we teach inherently to our children that we teach differently to boys and girls. 
Now, we still worry when the girl jumps off the side of the wall that she's going to, you know, get a scar and, you know, she's going to hurt herself. And so she begins to jump and, you know, everybody yells, be careful, be careful. The little boy begins to jump. Everybody goes, wow, look how brave Billy is. (laughs) Gail, it's so funny as you're telling um, your little vignettes here and the, the, the news flashes about women in middle America and, and all this good stuff, you have gone through a fairly, I want to say, thorough process of rules uh, that you share in your book. And I, too, um, resonate with this idea that women are not comfortable with power. In fact, what happens to those of us who do find our power and who do declare it is there are many people, both men and women around us, who will say, well, who do they think they are? So and one of the things we have to learn about that is to ignore it. I actually exactly, went that with exactly. somebody last night um, who's very successful and doing very, very well, and she's very attractive, she's lovely blonde, and all of a sudden, as she's gotten more powerful, everybody's trying to coach her about how to get sweeter and nicer. And I said, you have got to ignore it. This is, this is a power play. Oh, I You're love it. You're actually amassing too much power here, yeah. and part of how people throw you off your game as you've stepped ahead of them, is to tell you you're too powerful. You are a very nice, you know, you'll know. If you're not nice, you'll know it. Yeah, and, and so you need to be. You need to not let people throw you off your game. Because right? No, I agree. Well. I agree, and that is in fact what happens to uh, to many women who start to feel comfortable with where they are. So let let's talk about some of these rules. Um, tell me about how the how to keep score at work. What, what's that rule? Well, I, I think that you have to be aware. Like, like let's say everybody, you get an emotion, a promotion, and two guys get a promotion about the same time you do. And, and I hear these kind of stories all the time. And there were two nice offices, and there's sort of a third office, which is, you know, not very nice and sort of a dump. And who's going to take, you know, which office? Well, obviously the guys want the two nice offices. You say to yourself, it's, women are taught these kind of things. What do I care? You know, I'll make the office look nicer anyway. I'll hang some nice photographs and the rest. Well, who cares about it? So you say to yourself, rather than getting in a fight over something stupid like an office, I'll look like I'm magnanimous, and I'll let them have those two offices, and I'll take the other one, and ultimately it'll look better than theirs anyway because I'll do a better job with it. And what I say to women is, we've got to stop doing those kind of things. Because six months after it happens, nobody knows that you were sweet and nice and gave up the office. All they know is that their office, the guys' offices, are bigger and in better locations. Therefore, they must have more power. So that kind of reinforces the whole thing. And, and I think we're, you're saying that women may by naturally be a little bit more accommodating. And, and, and there's kind of a right and wrong time to be accommodating. Yeah, I might. I mean, so there are a lot of those kind of little mm-hmm. things that you have to watch out for. It looks to us like it doesn't matter. I mean, who cares? And I agree, it may be a who cares, except a lot of people care. And we are good at looking at the consequences down the road of those things. You see, we see the act at that moment. We don't understand that real estate is important in an office, that it says to people who's powerful how close they are to to, to power. And, uh, and so that if you're accommodating and if you think, well, this is about getting my job done well, 
and that's all that matters. You're not going to hang in there um, at the times when it may be maybe just a nuance, but it may ultimately make you look more powerful. Now, this is, this is fascinating because in today's work world, as you both know and as many of our listeners know, uh, we are hoteling more and more, right? We are basically coming to work and being assigned a workspace or we're working remotely. So let's, let's look at some of these um, other rules that you have. And I, the one that I'm going to skip to because I'm not going in order the order that they appear in the book, which is really interesting to me. And, Relly, I'm so sorry, but why men can be ugly and you can't? Now, Relly happens to be good-looking, so this has nothing to do with him. <laughs> oh, no, that's just a funny one. You know, when I go to give a speech at a huge corporation, and it's just like the Women's Initiative or where else, I look out in the room, and I go, I could be at a Miss America contest. <laughs> that very successful women in corporate America tend to wear dress sizes between one size and another size. They tend to dress in very similar kind of ways. Um, you rarely see a very successful woman um, who's very overweight. Uh, you know, there are a lot of those different kinds of things. And, you know, women have to have beautiful manners. I mean, everybody notices everything about them, especially the other women. Right, the dress for success model. Huh? Yeah, right. And the guys, you know, I mean, some of the guys can be slobs. And if they can make the deal, it's okay. Oh, I've been there. I've seen it. Rally, how about you? I, yeah, I mean, and it, it's funny because you, you, you see it reinforced on television shows every once in a while where there's some guy who's this powerful, just, you know, like, I mean, you know, who woke him up this morning and got him dressed? Um, and he did, it doesn't matter. But with women, it's like those kind of things matter. And they matter not just to the big corporate world, but they matter to the other women, the number of women who do commentary right. about what other women are wearing or what is appropriate for the younger generation is just shocking to me. So, I so, mean, so Gail, at, uh, we're going to go to a, a break in a minute, but I want you to maybe think about just from the male on the call, I'm very interested in, in kind of why so much of the women comment uh, on each other so much. And then maybe as we come back from the break, you can kind of give your take on that. And this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. 
Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking to Gail Evans, and right before the break, we were talking about a very interesting topic, which is why men can be ugly and you can't, meaning women can't, in the workplace and and how that relates to success. And, Gail, this is really something that touches me personally because it's something that I was always told to monitor. And it's fascinating to me that we're here talking about it and really, there's a woman who, uh, whose name I cannot recall at the moment who is out on the talk show circuit talking about the reason she was let go is because she was dressed too provocatively. Yet when you see her, she's dressed just as you or I would dress to go to work in a business suit or a dress. So it's fascinating to me this is still going on. Right. Well, it is. It's funny because I always hear, well, you know, uh, from a lot, in a lot of companies, I've, and I've actually been asked to consult on some of these kind of things, that the senior women are uncomfortable with the way the younger women are dressed. And I'm like, okay, so you know, tell me what's wrong with it. Well, they should, you know, she's wearing tiny straps on the top, and the, my favorite is the strappy sandals, you know, her, her feet and the bright pink nail polish and the rest, and it's, it's just not professional. And I'm like, okay, so that, that's interesting. Um, what's the consequence? Well, it's distracting. So I'm like, and, and who is it distracting to? Well, it's distracting to the men. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, you know what? And the men maybe need need to learn not to be so easily distracted. But also, and this is part of what frustrates me. It's like I I've had a lot of very attractive, um, very hip young women work for me over the years. And what I say to all of them is, look, you are welcome to wear what you want to work when it's all of us together. But when you are representing this corporation or this business or whatever else. There are certain standards we have that make us comfortable with our clients and with our visitors and all the rest. So my requirement is you have to keep a black blazer or a white blazer or jacket or whatever else, depending on what time of year, in the office. And you need to keep a pair of conservative pumps in the office. If you are floating around amongst all of your colleagues, I think they need to be able to deal with how you dress. I'm not going to change your clothes because some guy, you know, is tantalized by you. But when you walk down the hall with me into a meeting with upper management or with a client, I expect you to look a certain way, and all I care about is you just throw the jacket on, and it's fine. Excellent. And I've, and I've never had the slightest problem. 
I understand somebody says, you know, this is who I am. And if you make me change the way I dress every day, I no longer am myself. And I actually do believe that that can make some people less productive. Uh, yeah. I also agree that the, a company has the right to say, this is what our employees look like. Um, and this is the way we represent ourselves. But it's an easy fix, but companies get into these tizzies. Oh, yeah. Now, let me, let me ask you, here, here's another one. Ten vocabulary words that mean different things to men and women. Can you share some of those? Well, I mean, the very simplest ones are things like yes and no. Um, you know, yes to men is permission. You know, boy, can I borrow the car? He doesn't care whether you want him to have the car or whatever else, you know. Can I use the car? And somebody even breathes the word yes. He's got the keys in his hand and he's gone. Okay, so yes is about permission. No to women. I mean, yes, I'm sorry. Yes to women is about affirmation. I don't want somebody telling me yes who doesn't mean it. I want you, when you say yes to me, to be saying it because you agree with me. So there's a huge difference between permission and affirmation. The same thing is funny about no. No to women is a pretty strong word. When you're growing up and somebody says no, you are clear. They mean no. Um, how many times parents say, you know, no means no. And girls learn how to weasel around it and do all those kind of things, but fundamentally they get that no is like a stop word. You know, if a woman walks into somebody's office and she's been working on a project and they say, no, I don't think it's going to work, she goes back to her office dejected, feels like all this work, you know, was for naught and it's not going to happen. A young man, and it's just the way boys are brought up to here, and it's how they played in the teams when they were little and the rest. So a young boy, no, is just the first step on the road to yes. But it's like, you know, you ask the coach to put, get in the game, to get in the game, to get in the game, and it's, oh, no, 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 no. You know eventually somebody's going to say yes. So if you think about it in a business context, that, you know, the boss says to him, now I don't think a project's going to work. He goes down the hall, and he's not happy. He rewrites the first two paragraphs and changes the graph and buzzes the boss's executive assistant and says, you know, I'd like to come in to talk to him two or three days from now, call me when he's in a good mood and I've you know, and got some time. It's, it's interesting. There's a, the pink book, the little pink book, which was, of course, uh, what we knew to be Pink Magazine, which is now online, says that while some women consider haggling overtly improper, business women like Ivanka Trump say they see nothing wrong with it. And believe it or not, just about everything can be negotiated. And I guess she has a new book out called The Trump Card. But um, it's everything, fascinating. Everything can be negotiated. Yeah, yeah. I was in a store the other day, one of the highest-end department stores in this country, and watched a man negotiate on a piece of uh, platinum jewelry. And I was shocked. He asked to see the manager, and he made an offer on the piece. Yeah. And, and this was a very high-end store. And I was like, ooh, I know you can. So I mean, I'm into the new thing. It's like, ask. You'd be shocked. That's another thing, that women actually don't, aren't trained to ask. We're trained to, um, to ha- expect people know what we want. 
You know, we all hate asking, telling our spouses or our boyfriends what we want for our birthday. We want to drop lots of hints, and then we want them to get it. And if they don't get it, we're disappointed. And then they look at us and say, well, if you knew what you wanted, why didn't you tell me? Really? Yeah. What do we say? We say, but I have to tell you what I want it. Well, and I think that in most relationships, hopefully that works. I know for me and my wife, she tells me every single thing that she wants, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's multiple things, so then I have a choice of which of the multiple things <laughs> to get her, and she's always happy, and I'm always happy. If you play the guessing game, at least right. on the man's side, I'm, I'm, I'm 50% disappointed. I tried, and, and it right. didn't work. That's right. No, and, that's the, and that's the enlightened way, and you see the consequences for that at work are huge. Because if she's working on a project, and the project is going to, you know, is to open the new office in Chicago, um, and she thinks to herself, I would really love that job, but she doesn't tell anybody she wants the job. She just assumes she's worked so hard on the project that they're going to offer it to her. Right. And then what happens is some guy hears about it, goes into the boss and says, you know, I, I, I think I'd be great in Chicago. Um, I've got some contacts there. I'd really love to take it. And, and he gets the job. And she says, well, how could you not know I wanted it? Right. And the, and the boss says, well, I don't understand. If you, you know, you're married, you've got kids. It never entered my mind you'd want to leave this town. If you wanted it, why didn't you ask for it? It's really the same as, the, you know, the present game. It, you know, Gail, one of the things, especially with the male-female, like you're saying, the male seeing no as, okay, let me change my strategy. A lot of the brain neuroscience right. uh, tests that Kathy and I have interviewed really talked about the mind being a, the flow of energy uh, and information. And so if, if a no is actually a real stop sign for women, they're, they're not necessarily directing the flow of energy and information to maneuver, influence, try something else, where a man immediately gets his brain going in that yeah. way. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Right. That, and, it's, and also, it's interesting that um, women you know, are sort of taught to be more, more covert. So it's like women are not taught to, to ask for the raise straight on. Women are taught to say, I want this. Women are taught to say, I deserve this, which is really, a, I think, a, a losing strategy because I think deserve is a one-up, one-down kind of word. And so it puts you, you know, as being good and the other person is not being good. Where I want is a, a, a statement, a clear statement from you of what you want and much easier to negotiate with and much less um, loaded. And so it's very interesting that a lot of these little things that we learn, yeah. you know, are, growing up are not helpful in the workplace. None of this is about changing ourselves. It's about understanding what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's funny because, again, these are distinctions that we can shift uh, in the workplace, and uh, I want to talk more about that when we come back. This is Leadership Development News, so don't go away. We're talking to Gail Evans.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Gail Evans. We're talking about the gender differences. She has a book, Play Like a Man, Win, Win Like a, Women, a Woman. And one of the things that were, would be helpful for our listeners, Gail, is how can women support each other more in today's workplace? Well, I think it's interesting that you know, we have all these lists of rules um, that you know, women need to learn. I, I would say to women that they need to learn the rules. They don't necessarily need to follow them, but when they break them, they need to know they, know they broke the rule. Uh, but the one rule that we really never talk about very much is how important it is that women begin playing on the same team, that women begin being there mm. to support each other. 
um, that it, that there's this impression in the society that when you have two women, what you have is is you know chaos or uncomfortableness or competition or or whatever else, and that part of what's happened for all of this is that we've achieved so far a lot of what I call one-offs. You know, we get one woman into a higher position. Um, I mean, it's shocking to me that we're still celebrating first women. We still talk about time things all the time. She's the first woman to ever do this, the first woman to ever do that, first woman to have this job. I mean, we're in 2010. What we should be celebrating is three women in the room, not one woman in the room. And... So part of how that happens is if we as women get clear that part of our job is to help other women get there. As we begin to get ahead, it's not that we need to ignore the men. It's not that we need to do anything negative about the boys. It's that we need to start thinking about taking care of each other. Um, and, And it's just like... Um, you know, the guys are out in the golf course and, you know, somebody's cousin is looking for a job and whatever else, and somebody says, well, let me send him over to see me. Um, it's that kind of networking that happens in business. But a lot of women are afraid if they suggest another woman for a job and it doesn't work out perfectly or they suggest her for a promotion that somehow it's going to affect them. And they're very scared of being known as a woman who supports women because they think that that's, you know, like code word for being a feminist or whatever else. And women need to understand that we're only going to get so much of the pie if we keep playing this singular game. What women do is approach everything they do in the work world from the old uh, Virginia Slims ad, I can do it. And everything is I can do it. It's time for women that we switch from I can do it to we can do it. Because that's how boys play. See, boys don't even think about it. Boys play as a team. From the time they're little boys, they learn how to play as that team. And girls have to start doing some of that. Well said. I think, you know, just as from my unfortunate experience as an evolutionary biologist during my formative years of education in college, one of the things I do know, Gail, that precipitates that behavior is women have been historically, and unfortunately from an evolutionary standpoint, been, I think, told that there are limited resources. And access to those limited resources for women can cause some of this behavior. Uh, right, but there are no longer, well, we are now the majority of the workforce. So we have tipped over 50% in the United States. It is amazing that we are 50 point something or other percent of the workforce that we represent about 16 or 17% of real power. Um, you know, I'm not aiming for 50%. I'd like to get to 30. And I think that only happens when women begin to realize it's not that there are only two jobs in the executive committee that are open to me, it's all open to me. Right. And we need to push each other. You know, it's very interesting also when you look at relationships. Men, by and large, tend to have their closest friends amongst men they work with. Not always, but by and large, their, their close friends are guys they work with. Women tend to have as their closest friends their sister or their mother, the woman next door or whatever else. So when a guy has an idea, 
you know, about maybe I'm going to try for a new job or maybe I'm going to try for a promotion or what is it? The people he bounces the ideas off are people who actually support him in getting there. Mm. And they do. They push each other all of the time. Women, on the other hand, you know, she tells her sister, who happens to be a stay-at-home mom with four kids, that she's thinking about applying for this new job in the company, and her sister's reaction is, you have two children, you get up at the crack of dawn every morning, you kill yourself working all day, you come home exhausted, fix dinner, help the kids with their homework, and flop into bed. What do you need more trouble for? You have a good job, it pays well, be happy. And then we wonder why he goes for the promotion and she doesn't. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, let me ask you one of the things um, that I see a lot, uh, a lot of in the workplace uh, where I'm doing coaching. And, Raleigh, I'm not sure if you see this as well, but um, when women support each other, uh, often uh, they do it, um, but they do it behind the scenes. They don't necessarily do it in a meeting. And one of the things I always try to promote is people being actively supportive. Do you see that as a distinction between men and women? Um, I don't know. That's interesting. I do know that I encourage women all the time um, to do it actively. And I've heard some wonderful success stories uh, of corporate women. Uh, one of the things that always comes up when you ask a group of business businesswomen, um, what's your biggest issue? About 75% of the time they answer, I'm still struggling about getting heard. Mm. When I go to the meeting, I'm not heard the same way as the guys. So, uh, so, and, always, so maybe just with that, what could, what should a woman do differently to to be heard more? Because I think that would be helpful from your. Well, it's interesting that one strategy that a group of women told me that they did after hearing me talk about this was that they made a pact with each other. These women were about the same level in this particular company, and frequently there were two or three of them in the same meeting. They made this pact with each other when they all discovered that they had the same issue. Um, that when one of them spoke. If she wasn't heard, and it's really easy to know whether she's heard or not, Mm -hmm. um, that the other women in the room, whether they agreed with this woman or not, would give it about 10 seconds and then say, you know, I'd like to get back to Janet's point. I'd like to explain it in a little more detail. Or I'd like to hear Janet elaborate on that. And that they found that they never told anybody they were doing this. But it took about six or eight months for them to feel a shift now, the interesting thing was they thought the shift was that the guys were listening better and hearing them better because they were forced to. I think that may have been part of it, but I think the women started speaking more powerfully because they were clear right. that they were going to be forced to. So I think it worked on both sides. Well, and also that they were going to be supported, so it wasn't right. out there. Yeah, That's right, so that they had, the, you know, so they gave it their best. You know, I think one of the issues about being heard is that you've got to practice sometimes. That a lot, you know, a lot of women um, just, they, they, they're so singular in how they operate, is they don't talk to somebody before the meeting and you sort of get them on their side and, and run their idea by mm-hmm. them so that the person will actually have something else to say after you speak. They just sort of throw something out there, which may be a great idea, but nobody's thought about it before. Or they want to be collegial, and so they begin to speak by saying, um, we... Everybody may have discussed this before, or I hear women still say this may be a silly idea, or I don't know if anybody else has brought this up. All this kind of conditional stuff 
and then they and sort of a comma, and then they say what they have to say. And what I say to women is, you've got to lose all that stuff before the butt. Right. You need to say, this is what we should do. This is the approach I would take. You, you need to find ways of stating it clear, because when you put all that nice relationship mm-hmm. conditional stuff, what it says to everybody is you're not sure of yourself. Well, it's making declarative statements versus kind of, you know, in some sure. of the research, women are going to make more of a question. Do you agree with this versus a declarative statement? Right, right. And, and, and so when you are, but, but it's much riskier. Mm-hmm. You see, if you start out with, you may have, we may have discussed this before, but, and all those kind of things, then you're not laying yourself on the line. If you say, I think we should, then you're stuck if everybody else doesn't agree with you. Right. But the reality is it's a much more powerful way of speaking, and then you get heard. And not only do you get heard, you also have a win for the other folks who are in the room, both male and female. Sure. Right. That's terrific. Well, Gail, this, is, uh, this has been outstanding. Thank you for sharing My pleasure. your professional insights with us. Thank you, Gail. This has actually been outstanding. So great information, great historical perspective, and a lot of successful tips for our listeners. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. So this is Leadership Development News. We're going to be signing off for now. Tune in again next week for more tips and tools to how to be a top performer. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll be right back.